are listening to Prickly and Blooming, brought to you by LaJoy Society. And now, your hostess, Jesse Browning. All right, all right, all right. Come here, I want to tell you about what I'm doing. Join your mother in her office. So can I tell you what's going on? What? Okay, so I started season four of my podcast. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We got to do episode out today. Yeah. Can I tell you about it? Sure. This woman's name is Bridget. We have so many connections. We had a Texas connection. We had a Massachusetts connection. Do you know what that means? No. You know those are states, right? Yes. Oh, okay, great. She's a Montessori person. Do you remember Montessori? Yes. How do you know about Montessori? Because I was in Montessori. Because you was in Montessori. Yes, that's correct. You was in Montessori. Bridget's a parent. Do you know what that means? I have kids. They have kids, right? <laughs> so I recorded with Bridget a long time ago. There's a couple episodes that I recorded that I thought were going to be part of season three, but I had like over recorded. So we're starting off season four with them. It's pretty exciting, huh? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah I guess. <laughs> You know what I like to ask? Maybe you could ask everyone. What, what? do I always say Like when, I, when I'm like, could you please? This is, I'll whisper in your ear. <laughs> what did I just ask you to say? <laughs> what did I say? What did I can't remember. <laughs> okay, how much YouTube do you watch? Yeah, quite a bit. Uh, let's just say basically all day. Oh, basically all day. <laughs> and what do, what do they always ask their people? You're like the biggest helper co-host. I love it. Do you have anything else you want to share? Uh, who are you, by the way? Do we even say who you are? I'm your daughter. My daughter? What's your name? My name is my name. <laughs> my name is my name. <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming by. You've been a very helpful co-host. I know, right? I know, right? <laughs> Rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Awesome. What she said. What she said. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Let's go meet Bridget. Hi, Bridget. How are you today? Perfect. Yeah, doing great. You know, I it feels, I always love this time of the year. I have to admit, you know, just the, it just feels so ripe with possibilities, you know, especially in New England. I think we, you know, after a long winter, just being able to see like the sprouts coming up in the garden. I guess that's a very long winded intro, but yeah, I'm doing well. I remember being in school on campus during this time of year and it was like the uh, sexual energy got turned back yes. on. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like you know, the squirrels would be running around and the people all of a yes. sudden were outside everywhere, at, you know, around the student union and just like skipping class and yeah. being like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wearing yeah. shorts, like their skin being seen. Yes. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> class of the conversation right from the beginning. <laughs> So I'd like to know a little bit about you before we hear a lot about you. So tell us what we need to know about when we, we know you're in New England. What else? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a mom of two boys and I am the founder of Stable Bow Consulting mm -hmm. uh, and I help parents, 
you know, I like to say, since we've already had this classy conversation, yeah. uh, <laughs> I like to help parents calm the fuck down. That's, yeah. that's <laughs> CTFD, if yeah, you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's the short introduction. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> My husband and I made acronyms in our early parenting days, like all the time, CTFD or PTFO. <laughs> like, how's the baby? She's PTFO. She's passed the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we just we have so many of them. Oh, Bridget, I want to know. I want to know this, but I believe you had a couple moments of transition. Of you know, this can't be my life, or this wasn't the plan, or or all these other euphemisms I like to say for like a moment of change. So, yes. give us your moments, and then we'll go back and contextualize them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I was twenty five years old, I found out that I was pregnant, and I decided to to keep the pregnancy. I was halfway across the world in Vanuatu in the South Pacific. And so transitioning back, you know, back into the culture of the United States of America, mm-hmm. becoming a single mom, gigantic, gigantic transition. First, my friends to have a baby, you know, just kind of grappling with like, what is happening? How did I get here? And how do I move forward? And then, you know, for the next 10 years, just kind of buckling down, diving into my role as a Montessori teacher, and and learning as much as I could, committing fully, and then stepping away and saying, you know what, my family needs me right now. I'm home. I'm dedicated to what I'm doing. And just realizing again, like, wow, I really don't like being a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> And so then pivoting again, starting a business. Yeah, there there are these moments of kind of highlight or low light, if you mm-hmm. will. Yep, yep. But they also just kind of turn into waves, just kind of ups and downs and rolling into one another seamlessly. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just, just trying to enjoy the up as it goes up. Yep. And, and learning how to roll with the down as it goes down. Totally. Yeah, I get it. All right, now let's go back. Let's go back to the 25-year-old who found out she was pregnant halfway around the world. <laughs> How'd you get there? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, so right after college, I joined the Peace Corps and they had stationed me in the South Pacific. Mm-hmm. Amazing experience. You know, typically the contract with the Peace Corps is just uh, 27 months. Okay. Uh, so three months of training and then two years of service. And I loved it. I was in this tiny, tiny village with like 250 people. I was working as a teacher trainer. Mm-hmm. So just going around the island with teachers that, that were in the elementary school. And I guess that that also is a point of transition as well. Just kind of mm-hmm. like realizing that these traditional, the traditional model of education that I'd been trained in, the kind of westernized mm-hmm. um, education I was just kind of falling out of love with it, you know, just noticing that there were other ways of being and learning and living. And so I I extended my contract in the Peace Corps. You know, I had a boyfriend in the village. You know, when I found out that I was pregnant, the Peace Corps, you know, they were very gracious and they were like, you need to make a choice. What are you going to do? We can't support you in this capacity. I left Vanuatu to go back to the United States, be close to family and... You know, my son's father, you know, he was a, an integral part of his community. Mm-hmm. And so it was very, I mean, it was a hard parting, but it was very pleasant. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Very. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, 
That's where that's where you were, huh? Yeah, <laughs> like, that's well, how I got there. <laughs> go, going home. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, can I be just a total novice? Like, how does that work when you are pregnant with a child? With the father is you know such an international. Are there rights? So when I ended up marrying, I ended up marrying my husband now, mm-hmm. was born and raised in the United States. And when we decided to go through with the adoption, he adopted my son. Mm-hmm. What we ended up having to prove was that, you know, I hadn't been moving around a lot, mm-hmm. that I had been like living in this one place, one place mm-hmm. and had kept everything consistent that I had kept in touch with the father, mm-hmm. given him a chance to you know, do whatever mm-hmm. kind of Fa- whatever. father thing. Right. Right. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, we, we put out, I think, an ad in the newspaper or something just saying that this was our intention and mm. there was no kind of rebuttal. Mm-hmm. So that was how that went. That's how you can clear the path legally, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I have a niece um, who was adopted by her, you know, stepfather feels so I'm familiar with the situation domestically but I was like how does that work internationally yeah anyway thanks for that little lesson <laughs> oh no problem <laughs> so then you're 25 years old you're back in New England and you're a single mom right yeah so then what <laughs> again you know it was I think that just like coming you know to get like really like raw I think that being able to kind of face that shame, right? There's this Mm -hmm. idea of yourself that you have and that you present to the people around you and to Mm -hmm. the people that you love, you know, just coming face to face with the fact that like, yeah, man, it's not picture perfect. And Mm -hmm. like, there's a fair deal of embarrassment and the ability to ask for help, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, man, it stinks showing up to your parents and being like, hey, Hi. guess what? <laughs> <laughs> I need you guys. <laughs> I like really need you. And I and I never wanted to, you know, live at home again, but uh-huh. here we are. <laughs> yep. Here we both are. <laughs> here we both are. <laughs> yeah. And you know, to their credit, they were incredibly gracious. And did you go back to like your childhood bedroom too? Uh yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just had to clarify that. I was like, are you in your childhood bedroom, like pregnant being like, uh, there's the NKOTB poster still on the ceiling. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. (laughs) Aaron Carter, what are you doing here? (laughs) So I'm a little bit older than you. (laughs) Oh shit. Okay. So like, obviously you don't stay there looking at Aaron Carter forever. Right, right. <laughs> how long is it before you can, you know, even think about getting back to work? Like, did you, I'm just so curious of how, you know, your life played yeah. out like this. I actually went back to work immediately. Though so I came back to the States. I think I was, I don't know. I found out very quickly that I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And immediately as I came back, just started looking for work. And so again, you know, I had my undergraduate degree in elementary and special education. Okay. But like I had said before, there was this just like deep resistance to traditional model of education. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need something different. Um, so just like with a little bit of research into kind of alternative modalities, I was looking into Waldorf, I was looking mm-hmm. into Montessori, and I just sent my application to every Montessori school in the area. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I drew like a yeah, <laughs> it's a 10 mile radius. <laughs> yep. 
and that was another really humbling piece as well. Because remember, for the past three years, I had been working as a teacher trainer. So there was kind of this sense of working on a bigger scale of Mm -hmm. being able to support adults, being able to communicate ideas, you know, in a different language. And so it was really, really humbling to just have to go back to work as an assistant teacher Mm -hmm. and to just kind of be starting at zero again Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in so many ways. Mm -hmm. Were you pregnant at this point? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, were you in the Montessori program in a school then? Did you get hired by one of those? Yes, I did. Okay. I was like, so at least you were in a a non-traditional kind of situation. Yes. Yeah. Then how long did you work there through many years after having your son? Yeah. 10 years. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. So you just stayed right. Were you in the same school? I was in the same school and I stayed there for 10 years. I moved from assistant teacher. I worked in the after school program. So I got the American Montessori training Mm -hmm. and then, you know, I got my master's degree. Then I got my international Montessori training. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, well, if I'm doing this, I'm doing it. I just remember one at one point, one of these years when my son was very, very young, my dad just sitting down with me and being like, Bridget, you need to make a choice. Mm-hmm. He's like, you're you're treading water right now. Mm-hmm. He's like, are you going to get out of the school mm-hmm. or are you going to progress? Like, are you going to do what it need, what you need to do in mm-hmm. order to make the best of this situation? Or are you going to get out and do something else? Mm-hmm. And that was really a wake up call for me just to be mm-hmm. like, I don't know, just to consider that. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Am I committed to this or am I in or am I out? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. No, seriously. Yeah. yeah. I had one of those, how I ended up here where I'm sitting in this town like two years ago with my husband. Like, are we doing this? Like, is this, are we doing this? It was staying where we were, you know? Yeah. Or are we going to try something new? So what was your choice? My my choice was double down. I was like, you <laughs> yeah. know what? I'm here. I'm into this. Yeah. I, I could see the way that the philosophy worked. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is something, I mean, I do think that some people get in, to Montessori as kind of like their first entry into uh-huh. education, yes. into it, like working with children. And they can become very passionate because it's the only way that they know. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's something really powerful about coming into it with a background in other mm-hmm. philosophies mm-hmm. and being able to say, no, you know what? I'm an active chooser mm-hmm. of this. Yep. Okay. Yep. I get it. So then 10 years did come to an end. (laughs) It did. Yeah. (laughs) This seems like another moment. Like what happened then? This was, this was the pandemic. And, Ah. and again, you know, I think that I do still hold a lot of, I don't know, criticism or questions of the way that our country approaches early childhood education, Mm -hmm. which to me is the most important time of Mm -hmm. human development. Right, mm-hmm. we're setting so much in place for the rest of mm-hmm. for the rest of life, and just the way that early childhood providers are treated and paid and compensated. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's a struggle. You know, as a parent of two young children myself, I know firsthand what a struggle it is to pay for it and to afford it. But at the same time, if we want quality, you know, people who are invested, who are educated, you know, working with our children. I don't know. I had to step away because I couldn't afford childcare for my own children mm-hmm. and to work at the same time. So how old are your children at this point? 
I mean, I guess at this point or at this point in your story. Oh, at this point in the story, my older son is nine mm-hmm. and my younger son is one and a half. Okay. Okay. So yeah, you got a good <laughs> one can be out of school, you know, out of childcare, daycare, but not the other, you know? Yes. Yes, yes exactly. Everyone talks about college tuition, but no one talks like when you're when you have a kid. Like, oh, what about college tuition by the time they're in college? No, what about the cost of daycare and preschool when they're like could be you could start that with three weeks or you know three months or whatever? That's an immediate financial hurdle to overcome. Yeah, it's really and it can be really crippling. And I think too, you know, something that you know, I think this was something a question that kept coming up for me or something that I felt like. I really was struggling with was the idea of I have all of this energy and education and ability and and I'm paralyzed and I can't do anything with it. Am I wasting away or like what's the you know your mm-hmm. I see it, you know I can see your <laughs> face and and I just that's a, that look of recognition. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been an entrepreneur the entire time. I've been a mom. I have worked with my children, like truly sat at a desk and like kicked, not kicked, but like rocked the the bouncy chair with my foot while I'm trying to get something done. I have put my children, it wasn't really like a babysitter, you know, there wasn't really a structured daycare. So my kids went to a babysitter while I went to work. I brought them to work. Like my oldest kid came to work with me for the first year of their life. I was a stay-at-home mom for a couple years. Like I've done the whole, you know, and now they're all in school age anyway. Coincidentally, they were in Montessori programs. So I'm familiar with what Bridget is working with in the, in the environment you are. When did, was this, wait, this has to do with COVID though, right? When you stop working at the school? Yes. Tell us more about that. I mean, and I'm sure so many people can relate to this. Mm-hmm. COVID brought up so much and this this beautiful opportunity that I don't think that we you know, necessarily get, uh-huh. you know, when the bus is running full steam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. But it's also really painful. It's really painful to step back and and to pause and to question, mm-hmm. to constantly question yourself is exhausting. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's why we don't do it all the time, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> God, it's also just like, Oh, dramatic, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so it's so damn dramatic. <laughs> Can we just go to work? Yeah. 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 So did you lose your job or did you voluntarily you know leave? Yeah, I had to I had to step away. They mm-hmm. and you know, to the school's credit, they were incredibly kind and tried to to find ways to make it work, but it just that's not the way the cookie crumb. It just couldn't. It just mm-hmm. couldn't work. We would have gone into debt if I had stayed, right? Mm-hmm. Just trying to manage all of the pieces, and so you know, I stepped away and gave the stay-at-home parenting thing a little go. And granted, I I recognize that the circumstances are different, right, mm-hmm. during COVID because mm-hmm. there is this added layer of togetherness. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh, during this last year. This is an added layer of togetherness. Yeah. <laughs> How long into this pandemic last year and then you, all of a sudden you were a stay-at-home mom? As soon as we... Like as soon as, soon as, as we March. Got, yeah. Like March. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So someone who's been like incredibly independent, like you went to college, you went in the Peace Corps, you were living, you know, internationally, like then you became a single mom. What was that like? 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I think that you pretty much nailed it. Yeah. And, and again, <laughs> you know, if we're staying with this kind of like bus analogy, right? You know, uh-huh. when the bus is kind of like speeding down the road, right? And then he put on the brakes, like what happens? All the stuff from the back comes like flying forward. All the stuff that you just like hadn't thought about, just like whipping at your head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what hit you in the head? <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, again, I think those really existential questions of just mm-hmm. like, what is my purpose here? Mm-hmm. And like, what am I doing? Does my work have worth and meaning? Mm-hmm. And am I contributing? Am I living to the best of my abilities? Am I seizing opportunities? Mm-hmm. Am I floating along on this river of complacency? What am I? Who am I? Mm-hmm. What does it mean? Mm-hmm. Are you also approaching middle age at the same time? Yeah, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I was 40 during COVID, you know? I turned, yeah. yeah. Wait, wait, how old am I? No, I turned 41. Yeah, I turned 41 during COVID, like, so that whole year, yeah. <laughs> what a great time to be 40, you know? Right. <laughs> so how did that feel? What did that look like? You were home with your two children, right? Yes, yes. Every day. We're, at first we were like, okay, I got this. I'm going to make overnight oats. We're going to bake bread. We're going to make yes. like our own peanut butter and jelly or peanut butter, I mean, almond butter and <laughs> jam sandwiches with our own sourdough bread that we made. Like, yes. did you go to that level? I was like, all of the home repair projects, do them now. Like <laughs> with my, we're going to save so much on labor costs. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? And I was like, we're going to play all of the board games and there's going to be yes. none of the screen time and no hell no <laughs> yeah fast forward and definitely there were some dark mm-hmm. days mm-hmm. and and let's be honest weeks yeah. right mm-hmm. and it can be when you're down it can be really hard to swim out of that but i will say that having that experience earlier in life of going through again what felt like rock bottom mm-hmm. gives you the perspective and the space to say, pause, I've done hard things before Mm -hmm. and I can do hard things again. Mm -hmm. And this won't last forever. I don't know about you, but just seeing people get vaccines, seeing things like begin to open, Mm -hmm. it really does feel like, like there's hope. Well, I'm not sure if you've heard Texas declared it was over last month or this month. Well, yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I don't know how you're feeling in Texas, but in Massachusetts, we're, we're okay. <laughs> not sure if you've heard. We've decided yeah. it's over. <laughs> I just want to take a moment, though, before yes. we talk about your career as a stay-at-home mom. Being a stay-at-home mom has been romanticized and otherized. Let's say yes. that there's a lot of moms that listen to the show. So I'm speaking to the choir here. There's this division between a working mom and a stay at home mom. As someone who's straddled both, you know, roles in my life, I want to call horseshit on the entire fucking debacle, ladies. It's been romanticized a lot, right? Of like, you're going to be like doing Pinterest projects. And like I, like I was talking about, like, you're going to be making your own sourdough bread and making almond butter sandwiches, like over the, you know, the hearth and whatever. Or, or all you do is like go to coffee shops and sit around and have lattes and bring your kids and like whatever. That's not what it fucking is. Those were times, um, the years that I was a stay-at-home mom were the darkest times of my life. Yes. They were incredibly debilitating. I was in a turducken of isolation because I lived, I was an entrepreneur, which is very isolating. You don't have colleagues. You don't, you know, I wasn't even really working then. 
I was at home in a small town, remote small town. The closest Walmart was a hundred miles away. Like that's how remote we were like in the same room all day, every day, basically, you know, it was a kitchen, big kitchen living room. And that was my life. And I was like climbing the walls by the end of it. I want to know your expectations and how long those lasted. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think one of the gifts of being a teacher is that you have like a tiny taste, right? Mm -hmm. But only during like the good weather. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Of being home, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so I do agree that I think my expectations were like, the boys and I are going to be so close and like every day is going to be so peaceful and just Mm -hmm. like, you know, amazing and all that kind of jazz and definitely again I think the reality is again as I was talking about just kind of that feeling of I have all of this energy and intelligence beyond you know go dog go (laughs) which is a great book yeah (laughs) (laughs) but we can get into real existential. This is like this weird moment of, you know, women entered the workforce in my lifetime, basically. And we're just in this like, you know, it's still like now families need, you know, two incomes and like, how does this balance? And then who does the family work? And like, let's talk about emotional labor. And, you know, like it's now we're in like the hot mess section of, you know, women in the workforce, I would say. And then when you come out of it, what you know this is not what I signed up for this is not what I thought it would be and I believed all these romantic ideas and then there's so much that we're not talking about of our own identity and how it just disappears completely as someone who is constantly battling I feel like for the truths about motherhood you know um, and we don't talk often about like the moments that you have those children and just a little bit of you just disappears every day, I feel like. And then when you become a stay-at-home mom, it just becomes even more personified. And so we're constantly battling to remember who we are. And that's the moment you were having of like, I'm not just this mom. Yes. I'm so curious. Did you have to come to a moment with yourself? And then did you have to talk to your partner where you're like, I don't like this? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much so. Very much so. And, you know, maybe you have this sense of me already, but like, I'm definitely like a verbal processor. Like I Mm -hmm. like to, I like to talk. And so unfortunately for my husband, he tends, yeah, (laughs) he tends to be, you know, more introverted and, but he's a great listener. (laughs) I have a very quiet husband. He's not very quiet, but yes, he doesn't. I talked yeah. a lot. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So how did you how did you come to it? We were like, uh, so <laughs> I'll be totally honest with you. It was a lot of tears. Just yeah. like lots of tears. And again, yeah. there were points when I was waking up in the middle of the night with anxiety. This deep questioning of who am I and what does it mean? Mm-hmm. And what is in my control? Yeah. And what is not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that you are a yogi, mm-hmm. you know, as well. And mm-hmm. so that idea of there is the suffering mm-hmm. and then there is the suffering because of the suffering. Yep. Yeah. There's that, which, there's that which actually pains us and then there's the torment that we cause ourselves by thinking that we can change that. Mm-hmm. And so just trying to 
kind of unravel and piece out like what are the things that I can actually control and the wisdom to know the difference yes yes (laughs) (laughs) Um, had anxiety ever come up for you previously because I I feel like okay give me a moment here about anxiety is is an emotion that we all feel it's part of the spectrum of human emotions so when people are like well you don't have a problem with anxiety or like, okay, okay. I've been accused of not experiencing anxiety because it wasn't in the debilitating spectrum part of it. And I'm like, well, it's a common human emotion. We all feel it, whether it becomes problematic. Right. Right. Was that the first time anxiety had become problematic for you? No, I think in the early days of my Peace Corps experience as well, I had Mm -hmm. had that same experience Mm -hmm. of anxiety where I would wake up in the middle of the night. And as anybody who has you know, tried to communicate in like a second or third language mm-hmm. knows or who, you know, especially immigrants, I have so much compassion for living in a place where you are not attuned to, you know, the customs where and not being ever able to fully express Mm-hmm. what it is that you're feeling and thinking again especially as a verbal processor mm-hmm. like that's incredibly anxiety producing mm-hmm. yeah now you be able to ask for what you, like truly like where's the bathroom <laughs> right right or like, like i need a hug or yes, you yeah. know <laughs> yes i need to take a nap could you not bother me for an hour yes 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 more than just like hi hello kind of things so then Something happened. How did you get past this point of stay-at-home mom, COVID? I don't know what you want to call it, a debacle? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I do think, again, there were a lot of that processing of the tears and the the sadness. And I think being able to give myself that, as much as I could, that time and space to be still. I think Mm -hmm. that there is a temptation to hide in social media, which Mm -hmm. I definitely did as well, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know. Well, yeah. I've made fantastic connections with amazing women through social media. Yeah. But I do think really, truly the stillness Mm -hmm. to decipher, like, I don't know what is a next step. For me, realizing that I had these ideas that I was not, you know, that I had been putting forward into the world and that like nobody else was acting on And it came to a point for myself, I said, well, if nobody else is going to act on them, is this something that I could act on Mm -hmm. myself? Mm -hmm. And then realizing that that was something that I could do, that became the the foundation of Stable Bow Consulting. Mm -hmm. What was your plan moving forward from that? You know, you had this idea of like, I could put this thing into the world. And here's another moment. If you did come across somebody doing that, would you have had that moment of like, well, somebody already does it, you know? Like there's a lot of that too of like, well, somebody already is a macrame coach. So it's okay. I don't need to do it. But yes. you, didn't, you didn't have that moment or you did? I mean, I think there continue to be moments where I'm like, yeah. oh, that person does it and they do it better than me or more like, you know. Right. Yeah. Somebody already does it. So what's the point? Yeah. What's Yeah. What's the point? Mm-hmm. But it became for myself, I had that realization that like, even if this doesn't become like a full sustainable income in and of itself, mm-hmm. like at least I will have the feeling of, you know, it became to me, no learning is lost learning. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so this, even if this is not forever, this is helping me right now. 
Mm-hmm. Totally. Did you take any courses or anything or did you just start setting up your consulting business? Yeah. At first I just did a website because mm-hmm. I was like, I wanted to see if I can do it. Mm-hmm. And then as I started going deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole, then I started taking like all of the free trainings, mm-hmm. all of the free training. And then I started taking, you know, a coaching course here or, you know, a mm-hmm. business course there mm-hmm. or so slowly over time it began to build. Right. And then in that time, we started to come back. Yes, absolutely. I think having that project, having that focus, mm-hmm. having a meaningful, what felt like a meaningful way to me mm-hmm. to give back, mm-hmm. I think it absolutely gave purpose and a little bit of structure mm-hmm. to my days. Yes. I have thoughts about like showing your boys what women, the difference of like being st- like kind of like serving the children right? Yes. It's like a stay-at-home mom and especially teacher, right? Those worlds are very servitude towards children, right? Being a stay-at-home yes. mom and being a teacher. You're showing this other part of how women exist in the world. Yes. As like business owners and, you know, independent kind of movers and shakers, if you will. So I just, anyway, that's see, that's why I was like, oh, that could be a whole nother conversation. Oh my gosh. It could be a whole conversation, but I do think yeah. actually it's very important. Okay. Um, because I think in the parenting world, and again, mm-hmm. this is another one of my criticisms of early childhood education of mm-hmm. kind of like the parenting world is that phrase exactly. It's mm-hmm. for the children. And now mm-hmm. remember, I think early childhood is the most important time of a child's life. Mm-hmm. And I also think that it's incredibly important for us to model to our children, you know, what it is we want them to see the world as, how we want them to interact with the world, how we want them to, you know, recognize and appreciate the work of people and -hmm. and what it means to get lost in your own workflow, Mm -hmm. right? How do we how do we build concentration? First, we need to model concentration. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So then, you know, how did this start taking off? Because now, because it's like spoiler alert, everyone. <laughs> we talked about it in the beginning. You know, <laughs> this is something Bridget has dove into. You know, you started with a website. Yeah, and then I just started doing three monthly workshops. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, just an hour-long introduction to Montessori, you know, practical life, how to implement mm-hmm. it in your home, boundaries, just different things. This month, I'll be doing one on um, taming tantrums, you know, how to kind of deal with tantrums. I mean, Montessori is very popular in the online space right now, but I think it's because of like the beautiful shelves and works that you can put out. <laughs> uh-huh. It's very visually tempting. It's very, yeah, it is. But I think what a lot of people don't recognize yet is that it's the mindset that's the most important piece of it. Tell us about that. What's the mindset? The mindset is, you know, I think popular culture tells us that our children are kind of empty vessels just waiting to be filled, mm-hmm. right? And And the Montessori approach to early childhood development is that children are active participants in their own life, learning, and development. Mm -hmm. And that we want to entice them to engage with the world. That, you know, we're not 
teaching them anything. We're inviting them into learning opportunities Mm -hmm. to make their own discoveries, to craft who they are going to become. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The tagline we talked about, (laughs) the tagline. (laughs) (laughs) Maria Montessori would never. Yeah, yeah. The tagline, if you will, (laughs) we talked about it before we hit record, is follow the child. Yes. And that was on the back of my children's Montessori sign that we hung up. It said, you know, Marfa Montessori on the front, so follow the child, Maria Montessori on the back. And it's something that, like this, this sort of philosophy is something that influenced my husband in their parent, in the parenting. And I know I'm sure you became a teacher in the Montessori environment at the same time you became a parent and kind of me too. Like I, well, my oldest was two, almost three when we got into like a Montessori world. So I went on to have three more children but it really is this mindset and I hate to use myself as an example, but my husband and I are very much an embodiment of it. You know, like I'm, I need to come up with like a, a good term for my family. of <laughs> Like we are a, you know, wild bunch of, we're not a wild bunch, but like we're a bunch of, I don't know. I should show you a photo and you <laughs> get the, we don't force our children to be people who they're not in all the ways, you know, in, in the dress, in the what have you. So it really does creep into parenting. So I completely, when I read, you know, what you did of how you are combining this Montessori experience you have with now your parenting experience. So what are you bringing to people? Like, how are you embodying all this? I think one of the the trickiest things about parenting is how triggering it can be for our own childhoods. There's no training. There's no, and there's no training. (laughs) Nobody tells you that like you're going to be triggered when your child demands something, you know, because it's bringing up an old wound that you have. And, you know, how do you kind of navigate that? My goal is to kind of help parents mm-hmm. CTFD. <laughs> <laughs> do we take parenting a little too seriously in this country? Is that what you're saying? I know. But again, like, you know, just like we're, we were talking about earlier about how zooming out and looking at the pandemic, I was like, okay, I've done hard things before. I can mm-hmm. do hard things again. Same yeah. thing with parenting too. I think sometimes we're in it and like we're too close. Mm-hmm. We're too close to what's happening. And what we need to do is just have a little bit of help mm-hmm. zooming out mm-hmm. and like being able to see, oh, this is a whole impressionist painting. How beautiful. This is like a picnic by the lake. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're like two inches away from the painting, mm-hmm. all you see are dots and, and lines, mm-hmm. you know? And so, you know, again, what I bring to this is, you know, I, I help guide parents through observation, Mm -hmm. through setting boundaries, Mm -hmm. through building sustainable routines, like these things, again, that you're not trained in as Mm -hmm. a parent, Mm -hmm. that you learn over time or with help. don't learn. (laughs) Right. And then you struggle and you struggle so much and and you don't have to. (laughs) Yeah. What? What? The yogi, you know, the the suffering from our suffering. (laughs) Yes, yes. Yeah. Oftentimes my husband and I get this like, which is such a a weird thing to me. of like, I don't know how you do it all. And I will say that to answer that, even though I feel like it's a weird statement, to answer that is, okay, we don't take it too serious. We take like our business seriously. Like we take what we do seriously. Like we are a fucking, you know, we're going to make you a great cup of coffee and we're going to like 
we are all about culture and we are seriously going to make you have a better day. <laughs> not make you have a better day. That's not, the, you know, we are going to be a positive presence in your morning, right? But then we're also going to dance to Shania Twain. Okay. Like, yes. Yes. <laughs> my husband knows all the worlds. Man, I feel like a woman. Like, there's just all in approach to parenting that turns me all off. <laughs> yeah. And, it's led by this like competitive parenting game that somebody set up like sometime in the mid nineties, I feel like parenting became this competitive sport and I want nothing to do with it and I don't do anything with it. <laughs> do you yeah. have any extracurricular activities my children are in? I have four children. Do you want to guess how many extracurricular activities my children are participating in? Um, I feel like the answer is going to be zero. Is it? Yep. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I don't, it's also not wanting to participate in this culture of busy. Yes. And that the culture of busy is like completely in a, you know, a monogamous relationship with um, competitive parenting. Uh, I don't know if competitive parenting is a term, but I've, I'm coining it right now, everyone. <laughs> yes. I'm here for it. <laughs> I just don't give a flying fuck about Pinterest. You know, yeah. like Pinterest can just Pinterest right the fuck off. You know? like, <laughs> I don't know. But what I do love are my fucking kids. And I adore watching them lead their life. And they can lead their life. Like my third grader can lead her life. I don't need to manage it for her. I need to give her food, shelter, home, hugs, you know, <laughs> the screen time, password, you know, secretly, you know. But she knows, like, we have the structure, just like you, you know, we have the structure, we have a routine. And when my husband and I have to dip out, like, when it's just one of us, like, they know what to keep doing. Like, last night we had a staff meeting, right? And my father was watching my children because we were going to be gone for, you know, an extended period of time. And so my third grader, I was like, I need you to execute the baths for your younger sister. And she can do that. She's eight, you know? And yes. she's like, got it. I mean, the toys are still in the tub, whatever, you know? But yeah. Like, because we have such structure, but it's not like structure and discipline. It's just structure and expectations. And 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 they also know that it's like, we don't use, oh, right over here on my bookshelf, the positive parenting, right? That goes along with the, with the Montessori positive discipline. There we go. Positive yes. discipline. We don't use shame in our family. You know, like it's maybe in the beginning of our stages of our parenting, we defaulted to that because that's all we knew, but we don't do that we don't employ that people are not pushed out of our group as a family you know as yes. to discipline anyway that's another huge part of Montessori everyone um, yes. so I'm gonna I'm gonna stop talking I want you to talk no it's so good that's so I think you brought up so many points I wish I had my notepad I wish I had been writing <laughs> we're recording it though <laughs> I know I know it's so good I think so there's a couple of things that you said that I want to touch on too mm -hmm. about you know expectations and just like knowing like what comes next? I do think that there is kind of a learned helplessness, uh -huh. a learned helplessness that we are teaching our children unless we intentionally recognize that like they are capable human beings mm -hmm. and we can, you know, again, invite mm -hmm. them to be these active participants in their lives. And then also, you know, this idea of shame 
and how unnecessary it is. And again, how it's just this part of our own learned childhood patterns and traumas Mm -hmm. that we Mm -hmm. need to overcome, which again, is not to blame our own parents. They Mm -hmm. did the best that they could with the tools that they had. Mm -hmm. And we know that there are other possibilities Mm -hmm. and recognizing that, you know, children want to be a part of a group. They want Mm -hmm. to be... Mm They want to be helpful members of the family and they want those tasks and responsibilities. And it feels good, right? Just as much as we like giving back to society and feeling like Mm -hmm. our work is meaningful and purposeful and, you know, helpful to other people, Mm -hmm. our children want the same things as well. Mm -hmm. I feel like this goes back to like, not why you became a parent, but how you see your child. Is it an extension of yourself? Or is this a whole person that has their needs, desires, wants, dreams, hopes, wishes? Or are you using this as an extension of yourself? Are you dressing your child how you would want to dress? You know, are you expecting your child to be a park ranger because you never got to be a park ranger? Or are you expecting your child to be a park ranger because you are a park ranger i i see a lot of or i'm like is is this is this child in in the world for this child's life or for your child's life (laughs) for your life i mean you know like what is what do you see the purpose of this human being as yes it kind of starts there for me you know like that's the you know i don't know there's there's so much parenting like that's an exciting time right now because we are learning and as we learn we are doing better and i think that there's there's a lot that's going to come out of the last year too. You know, um, we don't even know what we've learned about parenting in school. Right. In the last year, because it's been intense for, for both those genres. <laughs> exactly. And, and I will say, you know, I think people are now realizing like, I mean, I don't know, this is definitely not across the board, but I do think mm-hmm. that there is a contingent of people who are seeing that a lot of the things that we put emphasis on in mm-hmm. schools maybe don't need that much emphasis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this this has the possibility to be a huge transformational moment for school and schooling in this yes. country. And we'll see. A year ago, well, no, not a year ago because a year ago it happened, but 18 months ago, if you told me, oh yeah, in March of next year, your children aren't going to go to school for two months. I would have fucking laughed. Be like, are you kidding me? School is a constant. It's always been a constant. The only time you don't have school is freaking snow days. Like, what are you talking about? They're like, it still blows my mind that for, so oh, my kids went to back to, back to school in August because hashtag I live in Texas, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but so we had, you know, just, we just missed last year um, for in-person, but it still just blows my mind that even, almost three months they didn't go to school and then there are more than that you know that still haven't gone back to school you know at this this moment in time it's been a year and i because school (laughs) what you know yes how long has that just been a constant going actively going to school generations generations now you know yes and for our public school it didn't go i mean they're just at they just transitioned to four days a week and then we're going to be doing five days a week. But like it was hybrid this entire year. Uh-huh. It was, you know, two days in school, three days at home. Mm-hmm. Man, looking back on this year, <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> I think we're all going to need some time to process. Mm-hmm. We just got to get out of it. I know. Right. Tell us a little more about what you do with your new business and your consulting business. I'm still very committed to providing free content. I think that Again, especially as we, as we were talking about earlier, the early stages of parenting, there's mm-hmm. so much that demands your time, energy, money. And so I think that providing free content, I mean, it's just something that I'm very committed to. So every month I do at least one free workshop. And I've also done, you know, a couple of like three-day challenges or whatnot to, to jumpstart. I think as I'm getting more and more into it, again, my focus becomes more and more on the mindset because as I work with more clients one-on-one or in group settings, that is something that I'm seeing. That's where the real need is. Mm -hmm. You don't need to spend your money on toys or beautiful things. Mm -hmm. You need to spend the time developing your own mindset and approach to you know, your child's development. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I do, I do one-to-one coaching, you know, everything that I do because the mindset piece really takes time. It's an investment of time. Mm -hmm. I can give you all the free content in the world. And also it takes time to implement it. You know, it's great to like watch something or read something or whatever. But if you don't have a plan in place to implement it and somebody to hold you accountable, then what's it for Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. um and so write an article yeah exactly Mm -hmm. exactly (laughs) and so i you know i start my my one-to-one programs at six week sessions just because i think that you know in six weeks we can really start to implement some changes in your parenting style and same thing with the group coaching as well so uh, i'm actually really excited i've again so my group coaching has kind of evolved and what i am doing now it's part course part coaching okay and so the modules are dropped on mondays and then we have the group coaching call on thursdays yeah it's it's a lot of fun i just Mm -hmm. like i like working with people When you, when somebody has contacted you and, you know, they know about your services, like, where are they at? Are parents coming to you being like, my kids, I don't know, whatever, you tell me. (laughs) You know, I say I work with parents with Mm -hmm. at least one child under six. Because, again, for for me, those are Mm -hmm. the ages Mm -hmm. that are kind of like my specialty and where I think I can help kind of set you up for success for the rest of your parenting journey. Okay. And I have people come to me for a variety of reasons. Like people reach out to me and they're like, um, I need some help choosing a good preschool or I need I need more ideas for my time home during COVID. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> for my toy shelf. Or, okay. you know, some again, I think for the most part people reach out to me because they want help with either the physical space mm-hmm. or the physical material. And I think that that's kind of like the hook. People mm-hmm. hear Montessori. And again, like we talked about, is this is really mm-hmm. beautiful uh, photographic. Clean lines, simple. Yeah, yeah. It's like Ikea created a school. <laughs> yeah, literally. I, you can find lots of materials at Ikea. That Ikea. <laughs> I've done that shopping for a Montessori school before. Yeah. I've put together all those little chairs that we bought from Ikea. So many. <laughs> I have a little, uh, so my oldest is 13 now and we have that that little, that they truly were in the classroom, the Montessori classroom. We had one at home, the little like kid craft, you know, table and chair set. 
And yeah. my kindergartner used it last year when we were doing school from home and we put it in storage knowing that we we're close to open our coffee shop. And I was like, that's going in the shop. So there's a little chair and little tables for the kids to sit at next to, I have this like whole vision and it happens. It's right near a couch where moms can sit and visit and their kids then have a little table. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Also one of those things y'all where the, the furniture is meant for children. You know, the shelves are low, you know, they, um, anyway, I won't go into that, but that that's one of the, the shelves, yeah. the kids can reach the stuff on the shelves that they need to use to, for their curriculum. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Again, and for the children being able to move the furniture, having it be lightweight so they can like rearrange the room as much as we love rearranging the room. So do the kids, you know, yep, yep. <laughs> just yesterday <laughs> there, I had this Montessori moment yesterday. There was a little gal um, who had brought the chair over to a little coffee table. So she had the little kid chair at the coffee table and they were, her parents were sitting somewhere else in the shop and she picked it up and carried it back to where she got it from. And I was like, Oh, she's doing the Montessori carry. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mom yeah. was like, huh? And I was like, oh, she's carrying the chair in the proper way. They get trained and my kid, you know. <laughs> you know, One you know hand the, on the back, one uh-huh, hand on the seat. Yeah. You know, I was, she just naturally did it. And I was like, yeah, anyway, the mom was like, what? I was like, she's got the one story carry down. <laughs> you know, my two-year-old, he, when he's watching something, he'll stand with his hands behind his back. My uh-huh. sisters will see that and be like, oh my God, he's a Montessori kid. Like, what have you done to him? (laughs) (laughs) Where can people find you? So you can find me on Facebook or Instagram Mm -hmm. at Stablebow Consulting, all one word. My website is stablebowconsulting.com. Cool. That's Stable Bow, everyone. Got it? Stable Bow. Yes, it's from that. Do you you like Khalil Gibran, Mm -mm. the poet? Not that familiar. Oh my goodness so, gracious. He I has know. this most beautiful poem and um, it's on children and that's where the name Stable Bow came from. Your children are not your children and it's it's, ah, it's quite beautiful. All right. Yeah. I need to look that up. So now I have my questions. Let's do my questions. All right. Uh, what was your first car? Oh, it was a bright blue Ford Focus. Ooh. <laughs> uh, how old were you when you got your period? 14. Ooh, kind of on the later side toilet paper over under or you don't care i you know i used to not care but now i'm definitely over yeah welcome to the dark side (laughs) 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 what book are you currently reading or what's the last book that you read and of course audible counts okay um i'm reading codependent no more (gasps) classic right that was written in the 70s 80s it's still so good. Yeah. So good. Right? I mean, it's that old, right? Am I not? Yeah. Am I rem- yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh-huh. Everyone check that out. I don't think I've actually, I've read snippets of it. Anyway. It's it's worth, it's a worthwhile read. Yes. I wrote, Look, that's what I was writing. I was writing now. I'm like, oh, codependent no more. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, cilantro. Yes or no? Heck yes. Put All it right. on everything. All right. <laughs> Uh, when you, you know, go into your local coffee shop um, and you're ordering like a latte or a cappuccino or maybe you know, um, a chai, I don't know, you're, you're creating a coffee drink with milk. What milk do you order? Oat milk. Oat milk. Mm-hmm. That's the new, that's the new leader of the Yes. Pack. I, you know what? I love oat milk because it, I feel like it gives like that kind of like fatty flavor of like milk. And I mean, obviously... I don't own a coffee coffee shop like some people, but uh, <laughs> when I, when I foam it at home, it actually foams up. <laughs> rice milk not very foamy. Remember, a long time ago, we all drink yeah. rice milk, soy milk, same. Like you know, almond milk will foam a little bit. 
uh, coconut milk. Eh, again, it's a thinner one, but that oat milk will like, you know, it's it'll, so good. It'll become silky. Can you drive a standard transmission? I cannot, but my husband has a standard car. Well, okay, I'm going to find you a coat. <laughs> <laughs> I would, t- if I'm ever around, like, at a conference or something, I'm going to, like, offshoot, like, after the company, like, who doesn't know how to drive a standard? Come on. <laughs> you know, I'm going to teach women how to drive a standard. I don't even have, no, that's not true. I have a 1974 Volkswagen. I'll bring my Volkswagen with me be like, okay, so this is the clutch. This is the, you know. <laughs> Family of origin, obviously. Um, Where are you in your birth order? I'm number two out of five. Oh, big family. What was your kindergarten teacher's name? Oh, you know what? I don't remember her name, but I do remember she had a bean box with ABC on the top. And I had a Mm -hmm. friend who said ABC spells bean box. And I was like, no, it it says ABC. (laughs) That was like my one memory from kindergarten. <laughs> love it. I love love what people can access from that time of their life. And then the last one, this came to be on the questions from a guest who was like, I love that you asked that. Nobody asks that. What's your middle name? Anne. Oh. With an E or no? Yes, Anne with an E. So I felt okay. very connected to Anne of Green Gables. Yes. Oh, gosh, for sure. <laughs> I have the other typical middle name, Lynn. <laughs> Nice, nice. With two ends. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for my questions. And everyone go find Bridget on, um, oh, do you on, are you on Instagram too? Or is it just Facebook? Yeah, you said Instagram. Facebook, yeah, yeah, yeah. Instagram and her website. Um, and what's your username on the Facebook and Instagram? Is it StableBow as well? StableBow Consulting, all one word, yeah. Cool. And then you can find me at LaJoy Society on the Instagram and that's my website and Facebook is Dying a Lonely Death. <laughs> there's only so much bandwidth I have for social media avenues so and um, I've made up my own little euphemism no metaphor I don't I can't remember so every time you rate the show a gnome gets its hat love (laughs) that it's like an angel gets its wings I know like I guess they're little just elves running around the forest and they once they get their hat they become a gnome so every time you rate the show a gnome gets its hat everyone so oh my gosh we we need more gnomes in this world we (laughs) need more gnomes so that's just my reminder every week everyone thank you to Bridget for your time and your story and everyone else we'll, we'll meet here again next week everything up to this point has led me here and there's nowhere I'd rather be than to be here. All the things that made no sense have felt so wrong and out of place now seem to fit perfectly to tell a story that was meant to be Burning in the mind
Just waiting to